I offer this uh, class or training at the network office uh, usually twice a year, and it's really an all-day training. We're not going to go all day today. I just want to give a highlight of it, but uh, um, you know, so we'll wait a couple more minutes here just to make sure that nobody else. Is any of you guys going to the Mandrella in Valley? That's in Youngstown? Yeah. I, no, I won't be going, but I heard it's really a lot of good things. I didn't go to last year, but I went the year before. It was yep. pretty great. Are they using the Cavelli Center again? Yeah. Yep. I'm actually going this year, and I already got my band. That's awesome right. itself, the idea of being able to use the Cavelli Center for something like this. Yeah. This is just a little brochure that we put together that kind of gives you a synopsis of, of our the ministry and the... Right. Um, my hope here today again would be to uh, uh, share for maybe 30 minutes or 40 minutes and then maybe just have some Q&As you might have mm -hmm. them. Um, I came to this role as church development director 12 years ago when Pastor Doug Clay was our, super, our network superintendent. And... Um, you know, although there were a couple other things at what I would call the top of his list, uh, about a year into this role, he asked me to begin to develop and work on a more intentional interim ministry. Um, right when Doug became superintendent, uh, the network, the district, had probably five to eight uh, lead pastors who uh, had served as presbyters, as general presbyters. And it was like this, it's almost like they got together and they like all retired within the first year, you know, like in a year. And so uh, Doug was really just, man, these guys are so gifted. He's so talented. They, you know, they've got so much to give to the church. You know, it's a shame for them to be out, quote unquote, on the sidelines. And so um, even before me coming to this role, he had already met with that group and uh, had begun to use them in kind of a, an interim uh, type of ministry. Uh, historically, our church, the Assemblies of God, would be more would have been more prone to using pulpit supply. Okay, pulpit supply would be pastor resigns, uh, somebody meets with the church board, and then basically gives them a list of area pat preachers. Here's a list. You can call them. So one of the board members would call and say, hey, can you come this Sunday and preach? Can you come next Sunday and preach? And so there would be a rotation of preachers in that open church. And in some ways, that can be a good thing because they get to experience a lot of different styles and so forth. That's what we're dealing with right now because we're in a transition Finding a new lead pastor, our other pastor went back home. Okay. Back home to Victory Christian Center. Yeah. In Courtsville. And, but uh, isn't Pastor John Palmer your interim? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's and, amazing, by the way. Yeah, he is. He's, and, and so we, we, that was good, but we didn't feel like it's the best model. I think most of you are aware that a lot of the other mainline denominations, interim ministry is, is almost a given. It's a given, you know. And in fact, in some of those places, they fund it and they promote it and so forth. So we just really felt that we could, we could do this. We could raise up this ministry. So um, as I sit here today, we probably have about 20 to 25 individuals uh, geographically located throughout the state that serve as interim pastors, you know, sometime during the year. And uh, so that was kind of the birth of this. And then with that, we decided, well, we need this interim ministry to be kind of 
you know, Pentecostal. You know, we needed to be spirit filled. And so we tried to take some of the training materials, some of the things from other organizations and bring them into more of a spirit, uh, a Holy Spirit context. So um, in a given year, uh, it's not uncommon for maybe five to seven percent of our churches to go through pastoral transition. So let's put that into context. And my phone is flashing over here. So let's put that in context. Uh, we have 276 churches in Ohio. Some of got churches. Uh, as I sit here today, we have probably 12 churches that are in pastoral transition. Okay. So even that number is about 5%. You know, and that's not uncommon for us to have 8, 10, 12, 14 churches. And so there was a need. We, we need interim pastors for these churches. Uh, and we felt like, as I said earlier, there's some individuals that, you know, uh, either retired or Bible or uh, involved in parachurch ministries that, that could really serve our churches well during pastoral transition. Uh, I use the phrase, and it resonates with some, it doesn't with others, but I believe every church, even a church in transition, needs to have a shepherd, needs to have a shepherd. And uh, so, so we began to look at that. And so today, uh, we probably, I would say 75% of our interims are probably individuals who have retired from vocational ministry and are just looking to continue to be active in some form or fashion. And probably 25% of our interims are involved in uh, uh, parachurch ministries. Uh, I've got several that are chaplains. Uh, I've got a couple that are hospital chaplains. I've got a couple that are hospice chaplains. And as a rule on the weekends, you know, they're not engaged in preaching ministries and so forth, so they can give. I've got a couple individuals who are professors at colleges, uh, Malone, Ashland, so forth. And again, you know, they're busy during the week, but Sunday they're, you know, they're, they're able to give ministry. And, uh, and so, you know, we've, we've got some that are, you know, uh, uh, in parachurch ministries. So we saw it also as a great potential. We don't feel that a church needs to just be kind of marking time as they're waiting to get their next pastor. Because that's sometimes what happens. You know, well, we've got this rotation of preachers. And, you know, when we get our real pastor, you know, then we'll be able to do something. You know, well, we almost felt like, why has it got to be like that? You know, why can't we have pastoral ministry? And so we saw some potential to to continue to set a pace. Now, our interims, we don't want them to start new ministries that won't continue when they're gone and so forth. But at the same time, bringing consistency into that pulpit allows that church to feel like, hey, this just isn't marking time. We're still having church. You know, we're, we're having good services and so forth. So we really felt like it, it would be a great thing, a great potential. So... As I sit here today, as I said, we've got 12 churches in transition. Every one of them have an interim. Okay, that is the norm now in Ohio. The norm in Ohio is not pulpit supply. It's not that. The norm right now is interim ministry. And we try as much as we can to think geographically. So, you know, uh, we, we really would like the interim to be within 30 to 45 minutes of where the church is. Uh, you know, we've, we've had further than that, but those are exceptions, not the rule. Uh, because if you're going to engage, if there's a Wednesday night, if there's a Sunday morning, Sunday, and we really want them to engage maybe in some other activities, 
It's kind of hard to do that if you are much more than 30, 45 minutes away. So, you know, geographically, we try to keep it close. And then when we look at the interim pastor, you know, we, we really do want to see that, 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 that interim pastor has, has some basic tools. And, uh, you know, what do we mean by that? Okay. Uh, for me, an interim pastor needs to have a, a good grasp of, uh, I call it churchianity. Okay, uh, you know, they've got a good grasp of church. And by that I mean, you know, not just assembly of God, but they understand that, yeah, there is a board, there is a congregation, and, you know, I'm just a part of this. I'm not the guy, you know, and that they have a, a, some good relational skills because uh, you're not there to deal with the big problems, the big issues. That That's our responsibility, the network. You're there to pastor and lead people. And so relational skills are very important in this role. And we do want you to have a sense of some good, I mean, not doesn't that be great, you know, doesn't that be off the chart, but some good preaching, teaching skills to, to where you're able week by week to provide some good manna, some good food, some good nutrients for the people that are there. And uh, the interim is going to become a buffer between the former and the future pastor. And um, usually an interim is going to serve a church from six to eight months. They're going to serve the church from six to eight months. And that interim is going to receive a love offering, a stipend, and then mileage for trips back and forth for their home. So let's say you're 30 miles away, you make the trip three times a week, you know, you would get mileage for 180 miles a week or whatever, plus the stipend. We've got a little formula that we've worked out that uh, helps with the stipend, uh, but in no way will interim ministry equate into a full-time salary or compensation. It really is something that, you know, we want the church to do well by you, but at the same time, you know, um, it's not going to be, you know, full-time with benefits and so forth. The other thing that we add to compensation is, particularly if you're ministering in the northern part of our state, um, you know, Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, uh, they get a little bit of that white stuff from time to time. And, you know, let's say that you're ministering at a church and it's Sunday and it looks pretty good Sunday morning. So, hey, I'm going to make the drive. I'm going to go up and but even while you're in church or shortly after, man, it, it starts coming down and, and you're, you're really a little scared. Yeah, I really don't want to drive the, that 50 minutes back home or whatever. When those moments, we would want the church to take care of a motel or some kind of lodging so that you're not putting, in a sense, you or your spouse in danger to make that trip back. Now, they're not going to provide lodging for you every weekend or whatever, but in those situations, we ask them to do that because we feel like that's just a courtesy that they should do. So um, with the interim, um, we feel like that that, that that good interim pastor is going to be able to help the church work through some things. And, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've kind of categorized these, but, you know, we, we want the interim to come, help the church to come to grips with their history. And again... Um, sometimes the history is positive. It's positive. And you can celebrate their history. You can celebrate the things that have happened. 
you know, man, the church is a good missions church and, oh, you've had a great, man, the growth has been phenomenal and so forth. And, and you can allow them to celebrate their, their history. Sometimes um, the past is, is not as bright. They're carrying some baggage. And sometimes churches are got some really negative emotions. You know, sometimes those emotions stem with the church. Sometimes it might stem from the way the pastor left. You know, weren't we good enough? You know, why did he leave? You know, did he think that other church is going to treat him better than this church? You know, or by chance, if there was a moral failure, you know, man, what, how could he do that? You know, what, what was he thinking? You know, so sometimes you're helping them deal with a positive past. Sometimes you're helping them to deal with a less than positive past. But we feel like through preaching and teaching, we feel like through Pray at the altar or counseling. You, you can help them to begin to process some of those things. And if you don't help them process that, the next pastor is going to help. And then he's going to be dealing with a lot of that stuff that it's not going to be done when he comes, but at least they're going to be in a process where it's begun to, to do. You had your hand up. Yeah, uh, you just mentioned one thing that kind of does what happened at my church. Uh, people ask him how... Like, are they going to treat him like how we would treat him and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, in my mind, he's going for God. And that's what matters to matter. And just know that he's doing what God wants him to do. And, you know, just focus on the church that you're in. Right. And, like, I hope with this church and not the other church. Right. But I've been noticing, like, since I was in youth, Myself, I've seen people that always, like, when the pastor leaves, there's the people right behind him leaving too. And go to that church that they go to, and I'm like, like, I've been at my church going on 10 years, and like, I had like three pastors leave, but I never left once. Right. And I feel like, you know, this is my home. Right. You take care of your home. It's like taking care of your house. Right. Right. Just because one person leaves your house right. doesn't mean you have to follow them. Right. Well, and you're in a unique situation where your pastor uh, stepped away from ministry uh, at a church, and now he's leading another church that is within driving distance. And, and uh, again, uh, that's a very unique situation. Usually when a pastor resigns this church... He goes quite a distance away, and people just can't follow him. You're in a very unique situation. And and although we would really encourage people to stay at home and stay in the church, uh, there is going to be some that that they're going to gravitate. They're going to gravitate. So so we feel the interim can help the church deal with their past. And that can be done through preaching. That can be done through teaching, counseling, time at the altar, praying, and so forth. We also think the interim can help uh, uh, help the church to rediscover their identity, to rediscover their identity. And, uh, you know, uh, you won't do this the first week you're there, or the first couple weeks you're there. Um, you know, I mentioned that, that I'm working with the church right now. And I had a little bit of a, an advantage because I had been, been meeting with the board of this church probably two years prior to me becoming the interim because of my role with the network. 
And, and I picked up with them, just meeting with them, some of the core values and some of the things that were important to them. And so when I came in as the interim, and I'm in a very unique situation, but, but I was able to begin right almost off the gate ministering around some of the things that I'd heard the board talking about. You know, they very much value missions. So, and I stroke that, you know, they very much value relationships. So I stroke that, you know, they very much value reaching out into the community and evangelism. They very much value biblical preaching. You know, they don't want people telling stories and stuff they wanted, you know. And so I just really began to, to value those same things. And I'm saying that when you're there for a few weeks in your conversations, you begin to pick up what's important to them. You begin to pick up reoccurring themes and we would encourage you to help them to re-identify who they are. Because sometimes in transition, they begin to forget who they are. They begin to forget their identity and we want you to help them rediscover that. And then the other part of that is um, help them to rediscover their self-esteem. We mentioned this a moment ago, but you know, some of the churches that are going through transition are small churches. You know, there's only 25, 30 people there. And they're beginning to wonder, will, will we ever have a pastor? Would anybody want to come here? You know, uh, you know those kinds of things. And, and they're beginning to ask themselves, you know, well, maybe they'll just close our doors. You know, maybe, maybe they'll just decide to, you know, and coupled with that, depending on how the pastor left, again, that value of why did he leave? You know, didn't he like us? You know, didn't he love us? You know, and probably had nothing to do with it. But all of that's factoring into this. So you can begin to reaffirm if, if, if they have a heart for missions, well, man, affirm that. You know, they might not be giving as much as the church up the road, but they're consistently supporting. And affirm that. Man, you guys are great in missions, you know. Uh, for the number of people you got here, that's awesome. That's off the job. If they're valuing it, if you notice that they hang around after service, and they're building, man, value that and highlight those things and let them appreciate that. And there's some, there's some things about you that, and you're going to be very attractive to some, somebody. You know, God's got the pastor for you because you've got some things. Now, that's not, they're not perfect. But we would encourage you not to go off on the holier and bless God, you need to, you know, no, love on them and stroke them and affirm them because they're feeling like, man, we're chopped liver, you know, and so forth. The other thing would, would be to, to just kind of analyze some of their systems. And again, we don't want you to start any new ministries. We don't want you to start any new ministries that can't outlive you. You know, if you're really good at this ministry and they don't have that ministry, we're going to do this. And well, that's great while you're there. But when you leave, who's going to carry it on? You know, so and plus two, whoever becomes the resident pastor, he too's probably going to have some ministries. Is he going to kill what you started? Well, that's not a good thing either. But but, you know, we, we would encourage you to just assess their systems. And, uh, you know, maybe you notice some things that are just uh, kind of clunky, you know, and, and you want to be careful here. But, you know, uh, let's say, for example, the flow of their service, you know, maybe it's kind of a knee jerk thing where they start and then they stop and then they start and they stop. And it doesn't look like they're really putting any thought into it. Uh, I was in a service about a year ago, smaller church, rural, rural setting, probably 25, 30 people there. And there's a guy leading worship behind, you know, podium, 
but but the piano player was doing one of these things, you know, and and I wasn't sure who was really leading the worship. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this guy was saying, we're going to sing this song next or whatever, but they're kind of leaning out like this, kind of poking their head out. And for me, it would have been very easily, let's just tilt that piano a little bit. You know, let's let's just move the piano about two feet. I don't want to say move across the platform, just... God, so they don't have to do one of these. You know, they're actually looking at the, you know. But uh, to me, it was an easy fix. But I'm sure that if I would have suggested that, they probably would have crucified me. But, but I'm saying you see things like that. You know, we would encourage you to kind of try to see if you can bring a little more excellence to what they're doing. Okay. Uh, one of my war stories in this topic is, um, and uh, you know, a particular church. This has been about ten years ago now, but they would receive the offering. And the person that uh, was the treasurer would just bag the offering, carry it around with her during the service, put it in her car, and then take it home to count it. Okay? And uh, so the interim pastor, he's there a couple, three weeks, you know, and this is the major, one of the matriarchs of church, you know, this is, you know, and uh, so you, you got to tread on very, very eggshells here. But he calls me, he says, John, he said, I'm really concerned about this. I said, you should be. I said, that's just not a good process. It's not a good procedure. And he goes, what do I do about it? And I said, well, you know, we need to address it. I said, either you can address it or I can address it. I can come up and talk to him. Well, it just so happened, like two weeks later, before I had a chance to address it, this lady did that. She had the bag of offering with her. And again, we're not talking a huge church, but she put that in her vehicle and was getting ready to leave. But just before she left... Somebody called her back into the church. So she leaves the bag of money in there, and her grandkids are in the back of the car. And unbeknownst to her, the grandkids opened up the offering and took like two $20 bills out of it, you know? Okay, so now she's got, she's got tied envelopes, but now they don't match, you know? And uh, so that week she calls a pastor. She says, Pastor, there's money missing from the offering. And the pastor said, well, what do you mean? Money? She goes, I don't know how it happened. She said, I do what I do every Sunday. And, and so the interim pastor, he's like, thank you, Jesus. You're solving this problem for me, you know? And uh, so uh, he, she says, well, what do you think? I, mean, I don't know, but we're missing like 40 bucks out of the offering. And we're not talking to mega church here. We're talking to church that 40 bucks was 40 bucks. And uh, so later in the week, the grandson comes home with some new toy or something. Okay, you know, and grandma's like, man, where'd you get? And, and now, you know, I mean, you, you can read your kids, you know, you can tell when they're lying. And, and all of a sudden it's like, where'd you get that money? Oh, I found it. Where'd you find it at? You know, so the truth comes out. And now, now she's like, pastor, we've got to change this process. This is not a good process. So I'm just saying that turned out to where it solved itself. But that's not always the case. And what I'm saying is there, again, we don't want you to bring in revolution or anything. But, but if there's something in, that could be better. That could be improved. Uh, we would encourage you during the, and again, not the first week you're there, but after you've built that relationship and you've begun to earn the right, you can speak. Have you ever thought about doing that this way? You know, I've noticed that the service is a little disjointed. Have you ever thought about just doing this during this time and keeping the flow of the service? You, you begin to earn the right for that. And, and then two, by doing that as the interim, you begin to make them in small ways kind of bring down the wall of any resistance to change. Because 
the new guy's probably going to make some changes. It's not going to be the way the last guy did it. But if you begin in some subtle ways and very positive ways, you can kind of grease the skids for the changes that might be needed. Now, again, all of our interims are staying in touch with myself or Pastor Jim Palmer, and we're really trying to to see that as an opportunity to really help that church. Uh, we encourage like a Shelby Pratt to come in. We encourage like a Stacy Petty to come in. We encourage a Nate to come in. Whatever the need might be, you know, tap into those resources. And that brings me to the next point. Some of our churches have become kind of disconnected from the network or from the area. And you'll begin to talk about leadership tour and what's that, you know, or you'll begin to talk about maybe a light for the lost banquet or youth convention or what's that, you know. And and this is a great opportunity during the interim for you to kind of reconnect to churches to the network. And again, you see a youth group that seems to be doing pretty good, but they're they're not participating in summer camps or they're not participating in youth. And just again, you don't demand it, but just say, have you guys ever attended youth convention? What's that? Well, it's an annual it's an annual thing that we do, and, and young people from all over Ohio are there. It's exciting, and so you want you want me to find out more about it. So maybe you know you're just trying to build a bridge, or possibly just hey, have you ever had Pastor Nate come up and preach to the youth, or have you had Stacy come? You know, just kind of build those bridges. Uh, maybe BGMC's going, but it's not going as well as you think it could. We'll build that bridge, you know. Maybe light for the lights is going, but we'll build that bridge. And we have found that the interim is a great time to reconnect some of our churches with the network in a really positive way. And even as the interim, uh, you know, uh, I was in a church two weeks ago. I still get out to preach in churches once or twice a month, depending on the need and, and the schedule. But I was in a church a couple weeks ago, and I told the interim, you know, as if you need someone... Uh, let me because I want to reconnect. John Wooten wants to reconnect. And maybe just a guest preacher on a Sunday morning, you know. Hey Pastor Jim, what are you doing? You know, invite some of the network speakers in because that allows them to, and that way they, they're just not seeing us in those official capacities. They're not seeing us for the business meeting or whatever it might be. Man, that was a good service, you know, and uh man, I really appreciate that word. But try to reconnect them with with the network and so forth. And uh, and that can bring some outside assistance and that can cause them to begin to value the bigger relationship they have with our fellowship. And then at some point, you're going to begin to point the church toward their future. You know, the first month, six, eight weeks, you're just ministering to need, you're loving on them, you're being sensitive, you're trying to build them up and so forth. You're trying to reconnect them maybe to network or work on some systems. But there's a point in time where you're going to begin to hear the board say, hey, we're interviewing candidates. You know, hey, we're starting to we're starting that process. And you're going to hear that. And you're okay. So how many how many more weeks or months? Oh, we're probably going to be candidating in May. or we're, So then you're going to begin to shift a little bit. And you're going to begin to point them toward the future. Because during this process, it won't be uncommon for people to come to you. Hey, why don't you be our pastor? You know, man, we, we really like you. You want to be our pastor? And and we basically have you sign a covenant that says you won't be considered as a candidate at that church. You know, and uh, so so we, we really want to keep the integrity of that. But at the same time, you're, you're, that's a great idea, man. I really love you. I love being here. Yes, it's been a great church, but I'm here to get you ready. 
I'm here to transition you. And, and I know your next pastor is going to really do a great job. So you begin to preach about that, you know, and maybe the transition from Moses to Jethro or Jesus, John the Baptist to Jesus or Elijah to it. You begin to preach some transitional messages that begin to get them ready that, you know, They've seen this pastor, he was there for eight or 10 or 15 years. Now they've got an interim, but now you're preparing them. What's this going to look like? And, and we feel like that allows you to, to get them ready for, for, for their future leadership and so forth. And uh, in the midst of these things, you know, there is potential for some conflict. You know, uh, most of our transitions go very smooth and very well. But, you know, there is a potential for conflict. Uh, as an interim, we're going to try to encourage you to uh, do the ministry on Sunday, do the ministry on Wednesday. Uh, if there is a board or an advisory committee in place, we would like you to participate in those meetings. Uh, and sometimes you may be asked to lead those meetings, uh, chair those meetings. Um, if there's a staff, uh, we would like you to, to uh, meet with that staff and coordinate things with that staff. And so you're going to become ingrained in that church. And because of that, you know, the board might bring up a situation that says, hey, you know, so-and-so is not happy about this, and they want us to do this, and somebody else wants us to do this. And, and you're listening to that, and there's part of you that just wants to keep your hands off of it and so forth. But because of your ministry experience or because of your, your life experience, you feel like you can speak into this. And again, they're going to make the decision, but you want to help coach them and guide them in that process. And anytime you know there's a decision made, there's going to be people on either side of that decision. There's going to be some people that think, oh, that's the greatest thing we've ever done. And there's going to be somebody else that says, who in the world thought that was a good idea? You know, and as the interim pastor, you need to support that decision and help them manage that conflict. There might be some personalities in the church. You begin to sense up, man, these people just don't get along, you know. Well, you've got a choice to make. Am I going to help these two people find some reconciliation and some healing? Or I'm going to pass this off to the next guy. Okay. We feel like the interim has a very unique place to be able to help in these situations because you have no skin in this game. You know what I'm saying? You know, you have no skin in this game. You know, you can really be bipartisan. You know, you can really look at it from a standpoint of seeing the whole picture, you know, and it's not like you're in favor. You can really listen and, 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 and it's not like they're going to fire you because you made the wrong decision. You're only there a few months anyway. So you're in a perfect position to really be a good arbitrator and to really work through a Matthew 18. Hey, can we talk? You know, can, can we look at this? And, and many times the interim, and again, we wouldn't want you doing that the first Sunday you're there, but as you pick it up, maybe the fourth or fifth month you're there, you begin to say, man, this needs to be dealt with. I, I need to deal with this. And, and the, the easiest thing would be just to kick them both out. You know, you, both of you need to leave the church, you know, but that's not the right thing to do. So we found the interim has a very unique place to deal with conflict and so forth. And then at some point, as I, I talk about getting ready for the future, you need to begin to be, paint a, a positive picture of what it can be, of what it can be. Um, you know, again, you've worked with them through the transition, some of their past, uh, maybe they've struggled with some identity issues or some confidence issues. You need at some point to begin to point them to not only a future, 
but hopefully a positive future. You know, uh, and, and every church takes on a different dynamic, but, uh, you know, you've got to begin to believe that, hey, no matter how big or small this church is, the windshield is bigger than the rearview. It's bigger. Man, there's great potential here, you know. And I see good things here and good things here. And, you know, I, in a few weeks, you're going you're gonna to get your new pastor. I just can't wait to see in a year what this is going to look like. Because, man, from what I've seen, the brief time I've been here, and I see great things for you guys. And, and don't lie to them. Don't, don't put on the, as the South would say, don't put on the dog. But uh, just be real with them. But in the midst of many situations, there's a few things that give you optimism. And this can be this can be good. This can be good. So um, we would see you, in a sense, joining the system. You're you're entering into a church, and you're becoming part of that church. You're you're kind of analyzing and organizing and so forth that system. You're preaching to it. You're ministering to it, and you're connecting with that. That, that group, but you're also hoping them to connect more with our fellowship and the larger uh, fellowship. And then you assume some responsibilities, i.e. preaching, teaching, maybe leading board meetings and so forth, staff meetings. But at the same time, you're, 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 you're not taking too strong of a hand that you become the control guy or that everything rises and falls with you with the idea that at some point, you know, you're going to exit. You're going to exit and you're going to pass that baton off to somebody else. And we've seen so many good things from this, so many positive things from this, that, that we're excited to offer to churches, uh, and we're excited to be able to present it to our churches that are going through transition. Uh, and, and I could go down through the list right now of those churches that have interims. And I was at a church uh, 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 this past Sunday evening for their annual meeting, and the interim was there. And I probably had, you know, half a dozen of the 40 people that were there that said, oh, man, we love our interim pastor. Oh, man, he's a, it's so good to have him with us, you know, and so forth. Well, it's not this knee-jerk thing. It's not different preachers every week. And the last thing I'd say to you, uh, one of the things that we feel good about the interim is because you are shepherding the flock, because you are preaching and teaching and ministering on a consistent basis, that liberates the board or the search committee to do the job that they need to do in regards to the pastoral search. See, the previous model of pulpit supply, somebody on that board had to make the call, make sure the guy got contacted. You know, and there were times on Sunday morning that the two or three board members are out in front of the church and say, hey, did you call him? I didn't call him. You were supposed to call him. Well, who's coming? I don't know who's coming. I thought so-and-so was coming. And you were going to, I'm sorry. So then immediately, instead of having a preacher, there's nobody there. And the weight of that, the weight of that fell on them. Well, now we place an interim and they're able to relax because they don't have to worry about who's coming, who's going to be there. That's covered. That's one good thing. But the other part of that is now they can focus on the transitional process of, getting the resumes, interviewing the candidates, vetting the candidates, and so forth, and allowing them to really do the search process the way they're supposed to be doing and should be doing, and allows them to slow down. We're not in a hurry because we have a pastor. Yeah, he's transitional, he's interim, but we have a pastor. There's no urgency that when the real guy comes, we get, there's a sense of, oh, let's relax. 
And because they're relaxed, we personally feel that they might be more cognizant of hearing the voice of God and being able to get a sense that this is the way God wants us to make a better decision. So, so that's kind of interim in a nutshell. And uh, uh, any questions that come to mind? Yes. Right, I have a question. Um, I, well, right now with us going to the positive, I feel that there's a big, huge difference. But before he left, like our youth group, like has strong, we have more leaders than students, as they call them. Um, we had an we, we had a, a name for our youth group. And, um, and I thought, like, okay, we have that. I know there's a lot of youth groups don't have the same name almost as the main church. Well, our church decided to name our youth group New Life Students. And I've been noticing a lot of kids didn't like it because they thought it was going to be, even, even some of the leaders didn't really like it because they thought, okay, like, we need something for ourselves sure. to hope for the youth to be able to grow. Now, if you take, we had a name called Rise. You, uh, I forget what it's called, Youth Ministries, I believe. Well, they decided to eliminate that name and make it New Life Students. I'm like, that sounds like they're going back to school. You don't want to make it sound like it's a school. But you also got to make it, you know, for them to be able to grow with God and that. And I'm like, you because know, right now we barely have any kids. Huh. And we know the big, huge, like, we had Ryan. He was there for a little bit. And he's down here in Columbus now. And with his wife and his kid. Well, uh, Pastor Scott took over. He's pretty good. And I know there's a little difference, but it's not making a difference that, like, it's, like, I think we need to come up with ideas how to bring more kids into the youth so they can know God and, sure. and be one of them with their friends or whatever. And, like, we suggested ideas, but, like, it seems like our church don't want to hear it. Well, to me, that's a conversation that... Uh... Um, the youth pastor may even want to have with the interim pastor, you know, and just let them kind of cross-pollinate a little bit. Because there again, see, the interim is going to bring some experience to the table that would would be bigger than new life and might have some ideas and so forth. And then maybe then the youth pastor could begin to talk to his student leaders uh, about, you know, what what they want to do and so forth. So. Yeah. But uh, I have another question. Can leaders bring up an idea to have it like a meeting kind of way to discuss like what can we do so like our youth can be more comfortable so they don't take it like as a school because it's a students. Yeah, and again, I, I and for me, and again, I, I'm coming from a different paradigm, but I would expect the student leaders to be meeting with the youth pastor and having that conversation on a regular basis. You know, what can we do to attract youth? What can we do to keep youth? Uh, you know, does our name, does our branding, 
You know, to me, those would be almost like normal conversations. And really for any ministry, whether it be children, youth, whether it be college or whatever, that, that, that group of leaders is always asking the questions, you know, can, how can we be more effective? How can we be? And so, yes, I would expect that. And uh, how involved the interim pastor would get in that would be really up to the youth pastor and the youth pastor's desire to maybe tap into his wisdom or his knowledge and so forth. So, but any other questions come to mind? Yeah, I was just curious about the process. So like going from today, it's like, hey, this is an area of ministry I'm interested in. Where does one go from like attending this meeting to getting Sure, sure. Uh, We would encourage you to contact the office, High Ministry Network, and in particular, my administrative assistant, Sarah, um, and uh, at Sarah without an H, uh, so Sarah at OhioMinistry.net, and just ask for more information about the interim. Uh, she's probably going to direct you to our next full training. Uh, and then from that, you would, uh, you know, uh, at, at that time, you would fill out what we call uh, uh, basically, uh, it's a resume, but it's not a resume. It's, it's more of just a ministry experience. It's a two-page document that gives us name, contact information, and then a list of ministry that you've been involved in. And then we also ask either for your pastor or your presbyter's recommendation. And uh, so contact Sarah, Sarah Ministry.net. Uh, she's going to direct you to that training, and then that training will allow you to complete that day, but then also fill out one of those forms and so forth. And uh, uh, that allows you to be activated. And then from then, you know, let's say you come to the training, you fill out the form, presbyter, pastor, uh, gives you a good recommendation. Then we're going to place you on our list. And so when a church in, in your geographical area, 30 to 45 minutes, is looking like transition, uh, we're probably going to kick an email out, and it's going to sound something like this. Uh, it'll say, hey, we have a church in your area uh, that's getting ready for pastoral transition. Uh, we wanted to know if your schedule over the next six to nine months would allow you to serve as an interim there. Uh, usually I'm not going to tell you the church at that point. Sometimes it's not even public at that point, you know. Uh, and I'm probably going to send that email to three or four individuals that are geographic. And I've got some guys that they are retired. And they spend three months in Florida, you know, and they just tell me, you know, John, don't ask me to do anything from December to March. You know, I'm good any other time, you know. And I've got other guys like or in, uh, by, uh, other ministries, and they've told me, John, it's a real heavy time for me. Uh, you know, we got final exams or whatever. I would rather not serve during these, you know, and so I want to be sensitive to that. But you might kick back to me and say, hey, I'd be interested. Uh, and then we're going to, you know, again, look at those in light of the church. Sometimes we will give that information form to the churches and we'll say to them, here's the two or three interims that are available. You look over these. Let us know which one of these you might want to serve. In some cases, we don't have two or three. We've only got one that's geographically close enough, and it's more of an assignment than, quote-unquote, a selection. You know what I'm saying? You're close. Will you do it? Yep. Okay, thank you. You know, you start on this date, you know. And then saying that, and I'm giving you more than you asked for, but, you know, when I say about, you know, you've got a period of time here in Florida or heavy, whatever, uh, we call you, and it's, it's April, and you've already got a family vacation planned for late July. That that's not a deal breaker. You have a life. 
You understand what I'm saying? You have a life, you have a schedule. And at the same time, that's the opportunity for maybe a network speaker to fill in. That's an opportunity for someone else, someone else to be in that pulpit. And, you know, you just say, John, I'm glad to do it, but I want you to know already that these two Sundays, I'm going to be out of pocket. And, you know, we may fill that with a network leader. We may fill that with another interim that's not on assignment, or there might be a neighboring pastor that's got that Sunday free, but uh, that's not a deal breaker for us. Now, if we ask you to start in April and you've got two Sundays in May, two Sundays in June, and we're probably going to say, maybe you should take this assignment, you know, because your schedule's just not going to allow you to engage this church the way we would like to see it engaged. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, but. How about accreditation? I mean, uh, credentials, rather. Do we need credentials with the state? Um, with the Ohio district? The, 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 the answer would be this, okay? That would depend a lot on the pastoral or the presbyter's recommendation. Okay. okay. I have actually... Because I have credentials through our church, not right, through the state. Right, yeah. I have used individuals who are not licensed or ordained with us, but they're, they've gotten a good, strong recommendation from pastor and or presbyter or both. Uh, and then I've also used some that are actually from sister organizations. Uh, when I first started this journey, we had one pocket of our state, and I had no interest. I had no interest, but one of my former pastors, Assembly of God at the time, had transferred to the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, oh, yeah. and went on to retire. Yeah. And uh, so I called him and I said, hey, Pastor, what are you doing the next six months? He goes, what do you want to know? I said, I got church. In the-. And he served two interims for me in AG churches. It was in Southern Ohio. And I just, I didn't have anybody down there, you know. And I, yeah. I knew him and I did. I talked to the presbyter. And, and he was actually attending at that time one of our churches. And I talked to that pastor. Hey, what do you, oh, no problem at all, John. He, he'll do a great job for you. Well, my credentials are right. assemblies. Right. But, there's but you have a local church, church credential. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, yeah. uh, the ministry is most of what I do is outside sure, of the church. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Other interesting point um, is action opportunity, um, possible opportunity for me to be an interim in a non denominational church. Yeah. <laughs> any of our guys did that. I mean, just anything you can say to address that issue. Yeah, again, we have individuals that have served. Uh, we've got a gentleman right now who's in Northeast Ohio, uh, not non-denomination, but he's actually doing an intermittent brother in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a little bit of a stretch for him because, you mm-hmm. know, uh, they don't feel about the Holy Spirit the way we do and so forth, you yeah. know. But, yeah, but serving, this could be an issue. <laughs> serving, serving admirably, doing a great job, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there is there is some cross pollination. Uh, we've had we've had other fellowships, not only other districts, but other fellowships, because we have developed a model that seems to be working in a spirit filled setting. Mm-hmm. Because again, our mainline churches have used the interim for forever, uh, but we've developed a model. So we have people asking for our material, asking for our training, so forth and so on. So you know, I do know of several fellows that have done non-denoms, other denominationals, mm-hmm. and so forth. And like I said, we've used people from sister organizations. I don't know that I'd want a Methodist, you know, you understand what I'm saying? You know, but It's okay but, for us to go and do a Methodist. Yeah, yeah, we're but, not sure the reverse Well, work. yeah, so, uh, you know, I want to be careful there. But, uh, oh, you know, my. and like I said, normally it's, it's six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I have done at the church I'm in is, is just been an extended thing. And, and to be honest, it may be another year 
before that wow. church is going to be able to be handed off. And, and it's still, wow. it's still a, somewhat what of a, a fiscal issue. What of a fiscal, it's somewhat of a fiscal issue, yeah. uh, but it's also a structural issue and so forth. And, uh, um, and you know, now they're to the point where they would really love me just to stay and be their pastor, you know. Uh, but it is weary. It is tiring. You know, I, mm-hmm. Barb, my, my wife Barb, this week has been, you know, I, I had open heart surgery seven weeks ago. So I just came off of that. And the last three weeks I've been back at the office. And I've paced myself pretty well. But this week, um, I was in Cleveland Sunday morning. I was in Finley Sunday mm-hmm. night. Uh, Monday was all day at the office. Tuesday I was in Sandusky. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been, no, at Circleville and Youngstown Tuesday. Thursday, Sandusky, a leadership Friday, Energy Today. Tomorrow, we've got our annual business meeting at the local church. So this week has just been, you know, so my wife several times texts me, you doing okay? You know, are you tired? And uh, so if I would love to be able to get home tonight and not have to deal with a local church tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I'd love to be able to say, oh, I'm done. But I still got a Sunday to go through. I'm preaching tomorrow. I got a fellowship dinner, workers' appreciation banquet, and a business meeting tomorrow. You know, oh, so you know it's it's just part of it. But uh, and I'm still young, so I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get old. Sit there and relaxing recliner. Well, not a recliner. I'm hoping it's more of a chair on a lake with a fishing pole attached to it. But that would drive me crazy too. Yeah, but anyway, anything else? Um, yeah, this just just popped up through the, the conversation. Um, is is there resources for the events in which a church, whether they're in transition or not, uh, might need or uh, need to request a guest uh, preacher or teacher, um, but not have the resources themselves to find? Like I know at our church, our pastoral staff is very well connected with the right. network, so they have sure. no problem finding guests. Right. But I'd imagine, uh, especially for maybe a church in transition right. that's smaller, they may not have as far as reach. Um, Is there anything like that as well? If it's an Assembly of God church, we're going to meet with that board or advisory committee before the lead pastors last Sunday. And we're going to begin to put those resources in that board's hands. Uh, And that's either going to be, we've got transition manuals, we've got those transition helps. We're also going to begin to guide them toward the interim ministry and so forth. And then that interim and or myself or Jim Palmer, we become the bridge for some of those other resources. The interim calls and says, and this church could really use some help in student ministries. You need to touch base with this person. This church really could use some help in men's ministries. You need to touch base with this person. So myself, the the interim and myself, the interim and Jim Palmer, we're going to begin to help connect those dots. So, but, well, thank you very much. Have a great, great rest of the day.